Hello and welcome to Tulips FM. We'll have a chance for everyone to introduce themselves, but we are top buyers, bottom sellers, basement dwellers, and we're here to talk about uh, anything with a chart. Hey, guys. Yo. Wow. Don't everyone speak at once, huh? Yeah. All right. So we're, we're going to do it. We're seriously, clearly all professionals at this. Yeah, so this is uh, episode one. We talk in Telegram more than we should, more than we would admit to family. Uh, but we wanted to have a regular conversation. We're doing it on Friday afternoon so that we can recap the market and have a chat. I want everybody to do a quick introduction of themselves. My name is Brian. I go by Ledger Status on the internet, and I'm a, a bad trader, uh, but I am here. And I'm going to push it off to Psycho first. You go. Hey, everybody. This is Psycho. I go by Psycho. Um, you can find me at Psycho on Wall Street at Twitter. My real name is Jesse. Um, and I don't even really know what I trade. I transferred to crypto. I still look at other charts, but uh, I'm learning a lot from these guys. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, just a good, good group of people here to talk about some stuff, huh? Eh? Johnny, what's up? Johnny Mo. Thanks for that throat clear, Psycho. That was just my ears, uh, but I've, <laughs> I've got two of them. It's fine. Uh, I'm I'm Johnny. I've uh, I used to trade equities. I still dabble in equities a little bit, but uh, I bought my first Bitcoin in late 2016 and just dove down the crypto rabbit hole pretty aggressively after that and. Um, have never looked back. Excited Just guys. for you guys Damn that it. don't know, Johnny has also been seen on Barstool Sports. He has been. That is what I'm famous for. Thank you. What? I mean, they got to know. The people got to know. Canvassed. Canvassed, who are you? Hey, I am Crypto Canvassed on Twitter, but these guys call me Canvas, Canby, whatever. My real name's Travis. You guys might not even know that. Um, partial docs. Yeah, partial docs. Oh, docs and party. <laughs> um, let's see. My background is mostly in Forex and equities. Uh, I traded on a FX desk at a hedge fund in Chicago for a couple of years. Um, got into crypto in 2014 and left like most people do after the bull runs over. Came back. In mid-2017, and don't plan on leaving this time, because that's one of my biggest regrets. So, uh, happy to be here. Mike, what's up? Hey. Hey, I'm Mike. Um, I'm definitely the newest person to trading here. Started in 2017, bought my first Bitcoin. I started in crypto, unlike most of these guys. And now I've mostly given up crypto, because it's not providing me consistent stuff. So, I've moved to Forex. For the most part, also dabbling stocks, and just went full. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes, just <laughs> recently <laughs> gave up a life. It's literally everyone here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> recently given up on crypto. Yeah, new to everyone here. We just found out. Yep. I'm just too shit. <laughs> this is the uh, this is very bottom things crypto wise because we it have is. a bunch of people that met cr trading crypto and basically no one's trading crypto anymore. Uh, yeah, so it, we are. We, if, we, you're, we, if you're just losing money in crypto, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I can confirm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, can still, you can still count as a traitor even if you're losing. That's the typical move in a traitor, right? Yeah. You win until you don't. You have to give some back. I mean, you can't just hold on to it. Yeah, it'd be rude. It's very greedy to just hold on and win only. Serious. Uh, so we all met in crypto. We're going to talk about all markets, though, uh, because we do all have interest in many markets. Many of us started outside of crypto. Actually, I think all of us here on the call today, except for Mike, started outside of crypto, came into crypto and are in various degrees back out of crypto for the moment. Uh, we're trading stocks actively. Some of us are trading Forex actively. Um, are there any markets I'm missing? Like, is anybody trading like futures stuff? I don't really think any of us are. Pogs. Um, but yeah, so we're, you're trading hogs? No, pogs. Pogs and Tamagotchis. Oh, pogs. I thought you said hogs. No, oh, I got so some awesome slammers if anybody's uh, interested. I no, uh no no I would have been no pog fans in, no in like, in like, in like, in like <laughs> nine, we'll talk 1997 I would have been all over that <laughs> for sure uh so we don't know exactly what the structure of this is going to be but we're going to do some uh macro market talk also there's a couple of people that are going to rotate uh on every now and then we don't know when or uh if they'll come but we got our our buddy Rob that uh, wanted to be here today, except for the part about not showing up. Um, <clears throat> and then we've got some other folks that will join us from time to time. This is just a regular conversation, and uh, we are going to recap our week in the markets. So why don't we get started by talking about the market that has decided since Christmas that it's not allowed to go down and discuss the equities market. Who wants to take the lead on that? Brian, I think you should and tell us about how your options plays are performing since Christmas Eve. Jesus. Well, wow. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jugular. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Johnny, for just put, pushing the knife in and then twisting it like nice and slow. Uh, <laughs> Let's cut to the chase. <laughs> So yeah, everybody uh, everybody here knows that I was bearish on the market in the fall and ended up timing it pretty well in terms of uh, playing a little bit of the move down. And then uh, a right before Christmas, I think, is when I started buying. So <clears throat> the market tanked uh, about 20% off the top, and uh, I protected myself well through that and then started making some money on the way back up for the bounce. And I shorted too quickly, uh, which is a, a common theme. So we've now had... Ooh, how many? Does anybody know how many days this has been of uh, the market recovering? But we've basically fully retraced the move down, and since December twenty sixth, we've gone nothing day but after. up. I couldn't remember if it yeah. was day after or day before. Yep, it was uh, the day after Christmas. The day before Christmas was the the low of the of the market. Um, and it's been 53 and this days now. Yeah, so this idiot that's talking right now, uh, myself, I got out of most of my longs by mid-January and started shorting uh, slowly, then heavily, then pathetically uh, 
in the third week of January or so. So yeah, man, I've uh, I've been really been rocking out uh, trying to trying to call it a dead cat, and the market has raged on without me all the way to the point of recently they're uh, talking about easing again, possibly QE four and other stuff like that. So I don't know yet if that needs to adjust my overall thesis. Like my most important accounts are safe, if you will, but I've uh, taken one right to the jugular in my like most active account that I play with. But all the retirement stuff and everything is safe, but mostly out of the market, which sucks. So yeah, anybody got thoughts on that? How how brutal is this going to be? Are we bearish or bullish right now? We're sitting on the 200-day moving average on most of the indexes. I'll take it. So my general outlook on trying to short equities is I'll short individual stocks, but trying to short the entire market, especially as a swing over a long period of time, is a little a little scary. You got to be careful. Um, so I haven't been doing really any shorting. I've pretty much just been long only. And I ate it a little bit there towards the end of, uh, of 2018. But we're, we're back uh, and we're, we're up. So, so that's good. But Johnny, I'm, I'm pretty much... It's safe uh, to say that you are as bullish as Tom Lee to give people some uh, context on that. Tom Lee is my spirit animal. Uh, but yeah, pretty much bull stocks until I die. So what I wanted to know then and now is when is when do you say like all right that's enough I'm bearish now like do, could you do you look at this as a as a dead cat bounce does anybody look at this as a dead cat bounce or am I basically alone in that Johnny Johnny you know so, you and I talked about this the other day Yeah go for it No started off about how the, the late cycle IPOs are I mean just kind of an indicator that and like we were talking about, these aren't, <clears throat> you know, tiny cap. These are billion dollar, multi-billion dollar unicorns that are coming out. And uh, there's, there's got to be, I mean, there's got to be quite a bit of money still wanting to get into the market uh, in order for those things to execute. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I, I was agreeing with you when a lot of people are, you know, screaming at the top or, you know, it's too much or what have you. That's that old saying, there's always another leg. You know, and I just I, I just can't imagine the the executive teams of these companies planning IPOs in you know uh, a super um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, an active market, especially in that segment. Yeah. So, what are the some of the IPOs yeah. like Airbnb and Uber and stuff? Yeah, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, Slack. Um, what were some of the other ones? What's the argument against just saying they're trying to get in before it's dead? Well, like yeah, before but I mean, before it's too late. Like they might have to wait. If you go to a full bear market, like is there going to be an appetite if it lasts like two years? What are the, like what's their debt structure look like if they had to wait that long? So could they be like trying to squeeze in before that happens? I think you could have made that argument six months ago, but at, now that we've seen like what over twenty percent correction, it's hard to say like. You know, I mean, are people going to get that much more concerned if we drop another fifteen percent and retest the lows? Um, and you look at names like what Twilio, Atlassian, Atlassian Team, whatever. And a lot of those newer 
tech IPOs, they're at all-time highs right now. So I don't think people are looking at new listings as, you know, risk factors because there seems to be my July Twilio puts my July (laughs) Twilio puts are down 67.84%. They don't expire for six months. So yes, I understand that they have reached all time highs. Um, so does anybody have a bearish take? Like, am I, am I all alone in thinking that this market uh, has seen a top or if we see another all-time high that it's going to be short-lived? Uh, right now you might be. Crickets. <laughs> I've never felt more comfortable in my position. So, hey, here's, so, so here's, here's that full I, list real quick. Here's that full list of the, the companies, the, the big unicorns that are planning IPOs for 2019. So Uber, Lyft... Uh, Palantir, Airbnb, Pinterest, Rackspace, Slack, Robinhood, Levi's, Peloton, and Cloudflare. Levi's, like the jeans? Yeah. Billion They're dollar just now IPO. going public? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I... I why, why, why didn't they do that 40 years ago? I mean... Who, well, who wears there Levi's wasn't a, There wasn't Sounds a, like an exit a, a IPO market for denim 40 years ago. <laughs> How is this not bearish? Like right? Levi's going public. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I agree with you. It is bearish. Just just not yet. You know, we've got at least another a leg or, or an exhaustion top. I, we haven't really seen a, a, a big blow off top yet. Um, we've seen some heavy selling at, you know, some higher levels, but. We haven't really seen a blow off. Like I'm saying, that's a lot of that's a lot of equity that needs to not only get bought up on the market, but it needs to stay active until the vesting schedules kick in. So that's why I'm we saying like you. a lot of equity that needs to get bought up on the market, but it needs to something now? else. Uh, I don't know exactly what that is. Can you is, hear me now? But, um, well, what I, about now? I, I don't know. I'm fascinated. Can you hear um, me now? I'm fascinated if we can really leg up again, but I, uh, I don't know. How about now? I got you now. Woo. Okay. I lost you for a minute. Apparently I was the only one that lost you. That's okay. So all I was saying is, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was about. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to keep a a lot of equity to keep that, that afloat. And that's, I mean, that's just big names. You know, there's going to obviously going to be a shit ton of friggin', you know, the, the mid caps and micro cap BS, you know, bio, uh, you know, biopharma stocks that come out and all that tech crap. But anyways, I just, probably another 18 months, my opinion, I'm bullish. All right. And, and my thing is, is when you look at a super long-term chart, like a monthly chart, we pretty much were flat. If you bought the top of the dot-com bubble in early 2000, we were pretty much flat from 2000 to 2013. Zero gains, zero returns uh, during that time on the S&P. So we're pretty much six years in to a new bull market after 13 years of sideways. And that's why I think anyone that is trying to call any kind of a long-term market top is um, asking for pain right now. I think we've got a long way to go. I know some people say 18 months like Psycho just did, but I'm I'm looking at, you know, 2030 or more before we start to see any kind of significant uh, crash or anything like that. I'm 100% So you mean like an over 
I mean, if so, that's so twenty or overall twenty or thirty years, cycle. right? That's a twenty or thirty yeah. year bull market continuation. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you look at the history of the stock market is from about 1940 at the end of the Great Depression until roughly 1970, I think the late 1960s, we had this raging bull market. And then we went sideways for like over 10 years from the late 60s to about 1980. And then we had this raging bull market again from 1980 to 2000. And then we just went sideways from 2000 to 2013. I'm not shocked that all of a sudden we're in a raging bull market that I think people are going to keep trying to call tops on for another decade-ish. Johnny, everything you're saying, like, uh, so I used to be in the camp that we're going to see some catastrophic sell-off, 09 style, whatever, about a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago. And everything you're saying is like, Joe, have you guys heard of Joe Fahmy? on Twitter. Mm-mm. Yeah. So he yeah. wrote about this, yeah. like, I think about a year ago, same thing you're saying basically is that like, this is basically the next leg of the, you know, secular bull market. And it's not going to end anytime soon. It's like generational opportunity. But, um, I read that and I like, it, it made me really take a step back and think about like my motives and what I like, where my head was at in terms of like macro view of not only the economy, but the markets and everything. And it, it literally made me like get out of the camp of like waiting for a sell off and just be like all inequities. And that's where I've been since there. And it's like, I don't think it's wrong. Um, I, and I think people, you know, expecting a dead camp bounce here. Everyone was expecting a dead camp bounce here. And that's why we didn't get it. Um, it just keeps grinding higher. And I think people are discounting that we could just go sideways all year and then break higher and keep going. We don't have to have a 20, 30, 50% sell off. I'm with you. Yeah. I, so, I what about too. how do y'all bring something? Like, how do you bring something like gold into that? So, gold has really found a bid uh, over the past few months. Do you think it's sustained, or do you think? And why? Like, why would gold be reacting the way it is? Is it a uh, risk-off play, or is it just in response to global currencies? What's the situation there? I guess Mike or Canvas would be good to talk about that too. I guess, I mean, my view is that what gold is uh, basically um, counter U.S. dollar, right? And Yeah, it's pretty inversely correlated exactly, to the dollar yeah. until recently, but that's what's interesting to me. I mean, recently, you can't look at correlation over like a, like a, a short time frame, right? Kind of Just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so my take uh, is, so- obviously, obviously, the Fed is you know, pulling back a little bit from the rate rate hikes, right? And they're getting a little less, uh, more dovish for the first time in a while. And I think that's where the bid from gold's coming from, right? It's, but at the same time, I think it's interesting that we haven't seen a huge move lower in the dollar at all. In fact, the dollar's, you know, up near that 97 level almost. It's just kind of chilling. I think a lot of people were expecting the dollar to sell off and it hasn't. And I don't know what that means. I'm not some kind of savant, but uh, I do find the chart interesting. Yeah, the, You're not some kind of savant? Yeah, I'm confused. I yeah, thought you were. Fired from the I, show. I don't know if I want to be on this podcast. Sorry, anymore. guys. So, yeah, when they came out. They weren't like. Gold, gold to me 
is is like the the ultimate boomer exit scam. So the entire boomer generation is getting ready to die, <laughs> and and obviously they would want to prop that market up because they've been you know buying gold for forty years. Um, and so and, and a lot of people will be like, oh that's that's hilarious, that's a funny joke. But I'm I'm serious. There's so many gold bugs getting ready to exit this planet, and so the ultimate exit scam would be to jack gold up to two grand an ounce, twenty five hundred bucks an ounce. Sell it all on the plebes, and there you go. But that could just be me. Well, we're all from the crypto landscape, so I think that there's probably a case for us believing that there's uh, at least the potential for an asset class to replace gold in terms of the store value side of things. I don't know that any of us are true believers enough to really buy into that, though. Yeah. Is anyone? I didn't really listen to that question. What about you, Johnny? I was, looking at a, I was looking at a gold chart. And like to me, it's not interesting unless gold's trading above like what, 1310? I'm looking at GLD here, it's 131. So it's like, unless it's above that, it, it's still in completely sideways action since what? The fall in 2012, yeah, years. 2013. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, so yeah. What's been, what's yeah, your, but there was a nice the bottom. What, what's been the top bottom range since that 2013 year you were just talking about? It's been like thirteen hundred down to about a thousand, and we're at yeah gold fifty right now. Gold's gold's floor was like thirteen thirty to thirteen fifty that then broke and became basically a ceiling, and the bottom of that ceiling, which then turned into a big con- consolidation in like December twenty fifteen, was basically like ten forty, um, but this in the past year or so it's been like 1350 down to 1150. Um, but in August was a pretty strong bottom after like a couple of months of like really, really, really terrible gold performance. Um, it's worked its way back up to the top of the range. So I guess the question is whether gold is going to continue in that range. And basically it's in the, it's in the top side of the range or if it's going to really catch a bid and, and go for it, which would take it back up to like 1500 an ounce before it hits like its first test. Um, do y'all think that that coincides with equity markets or is it purely a dollar thing? Armchair quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, you, you think the move is driven by armchair quarterbacks? Like, No, no, not at all. I was just trying to get someone else to talk, but that's okay. Um, I, I mean... It, it would it would make it would make sense, you know, for it, it just for me. I mean, if you spend a year at that at that level in that range, I mean, if you have a break up, I mean, you're you're looking at like, you know, the max of that range and then some. I, I just don't think two thousand dollar an ounce gold is out of the question. But I also don't, you know, I don't think five hundred dollars an ounce is out of the question if you're looking at it on a you know a ten to twenty to thirty year time horizon. <clears throat> yeah i i i mean i don't i don't know i don't i've been weird on gold because i keep thinking like it's something that i want to gain some exposure to but only if i get like this really prime setup and i read an article today i think it was kevin Meir or however you pronounce his last name how he was making the argument that he thinks that 
basically this time is different and that there's a good chance that it takes the top of the range and goes for a real move. So I was curious if anyone has big opinions on that or if you're trading it. Is anybody actively trading gold? No? Okay. Mike, what are you trading? You're quiet over there. You were trading metals, though. Weren't you trading elements and and metals, too, for a while? You were pretty big into uranium, weren't you? Uranium! Yeah, I've been looking at the uranium market. Um, But I was mostly looking at it as a distressed sector overall and a potential Mm -hmm. value play. Um, But when the market was selling off, I basically took off most of the risk there. Um, Mm -hmm. But not all of it. I still have some. Like I have got one of the uranium miners that I felt had a stronger corporate balance sheet. And I still have that on spot. But my concern with uranium companies was if the market really went to crap and like corporate debt went to crap, then... I think a lot of those uranium companies would have some of the worst corporate debt scenarios. So I was hesitant there, which would be similar to like a lot of the gold mining companies too, like potentially could have rough balance sheets in that type of situation. But gold itself, I think would react positively to the market going down as a, like a hedge play. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So what else is anybody trading? What are y'all looking at in the Forex world? I don't know anything about it. So somebody else has to tell me what they're what they're looking at. <laughs> yes. Me. Um, hey, I'll take this one. Um, me and Canvas talk in DMs all day, every day. But more or less... I'm feeling really jelly just, about it. <laughs> it's basically just Canvas telling me my, my 15-minute charts are trash. But, um, I mean, I just watched most of the major Forex pairs and then some secondary pairs that I enjoy. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy this week. We were watching USD JPY and I think Canvas actually executed the plan better than I did, but more or less usually spend Oh, the plan was so long, right? Long at the beginning of the week and hold it as it went well. And it did go well, but um, I talked myself out of it too early, but yeah, basically every week, Mondays, I let it go. Don't do much on Mondays and then decide my bias from Monday's price action. So how are y'all picking a, picking a direction? Like, what's or Is it strictly TA trend-based stuff? Or are you looking at the economic outlook? Or what are you looking at when you're trying to pick up on a currency trade? I would say, for me personally, I try to just use the chart. I mean, I'm aware of stuff on the economic calendar, but I would say 90% just looking at TA. Fundamentals, exactly. what are those? <laughs> it's, all, it's all priced in. You can see it on the chart. Yeah, I think I might be... Well, Canvas, you're a, you're a fundamentals-based uh, investor from a stocks perspective. Like you were, I know you were looking at some long-term plays last year, um, but otherwise, is anybody else looking at fundamentals from a... From any for anything, <laughs> whether it's uh, crypto, forex, equities, anything at all. Crypto fundamentals. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get into crypto. We'll spend our minute on crypto here. Uh, uh, but Canvas, why don't you tell us about what you were like your fundamental outlook on your uh, Disney setup? Are you still in that? Ah, uh, you know I'm not. Um, yeah. Wow, he dumped on us. I did. You know, I'll tell you why. Uh, and I, I'm not 100% sure this is true, 
but I'm pretty sure I got wind that they, uh, you know, I was basically fundamentally bullish on Disney because of the streaming service, right? And the uh, ability to potentially compete with Netflix. But I don't think they're going to execute it well. I heard something that they were going to, they're not going to bundle everything together. They're going to have separate subscription services, which makes zero sense to me. And I think it's a huge fail if that's the route that they're going to be yeah. taking. Yeah, you um, got to get your ESPN and your like cartoons on the same plan for right. parents and children. Yeah, bundle that all together. But I, I don't think they're doing that. And I, I haven't dug into it. And honestly, the, uh, you know, I love that chart too, that uh, the breaking out of that uh, consolidation kind of, I don't it's know. It's kind of an ascending triangle. Yeah. But it's been forming since July 2015. It topped out at $115. Mm-hmm. And today it's at $112. Right. And it's a multi-year higher low setup. I mean, it's freaking gorgeous. It reminds me. It was uh, gorgeous. For, I don't think it's as gorgeous anymore. It's really struggled to get any momentum out of that resistance. And it's a lot like you see in, you know, we were just talking about this in Bitcoin today, right? That the longer something takes to react to a pattern like that, the less confident I feel about the trade. And granted, this is supposed to be an investment more than a trade, but I, I can't ignore the technicals or just like the nature of how price action is moving. And and to me, it was just disappointing and I, I it felt like dead money. So um, between that and the, the change in the fundamentals, you know, I moved on. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, you have to look at the TA in a four year setup where if you'd gotten in four years ago, literally you haven't made any money during one of the most bullish times of the market. If you just went and bought, you know, Netflix or something. So yeah, I like it from a timing event. It may be the type where it's best to trade if it actually breaks out or when they make the news or something like that, that they're going to make that transition because prior to 2015, I think Disney's just an interesting one because prior to 2015, it had gone up from $25 a share in late 2011 up to like almost a straight line up to 111. So four years of cool off after it, like Disney freaking massive quadruples, I think does make some sense, but um, yeah. Has anybody else got a good fundamentals story that they uh, either picked up or rejected? Because I liked the, I liked the Disney one. What about you psycho? Any weed stock fundamentals? Oh yeah. I once, I once bought a, a weed stock because a buddy of mine did a video and he went to their office and interviewed the CEO, and we got pictures of the stock certificates and stuff. That was a pretty good fundamental <laughs> fundamental purchase. I have zero zero fundamental analysis. The only fundamental analysis play I made ever was on SkyWest Airlines back in like 2014 or 15, and I thought I was like SkyWest. This, yeah, SK. YW and uh, it, it, it was trading around like 12 or 13 bucks a share. And I was, I just, I, I honestly, I got a bug up my ass and went in and did some diligence on some fundamentals and looked at the fact that they were um, swapping out smaller passenger number planes for larger passenger number planes so they could do more passengers 
per plane. The gallon, uh, the the cost of a, a gallon of a jet fuel at that time was, you know, at a very extreme low, and uh, it just looked like, you know, kind of made sense to me. Like they're just going to make more money now. Everything they're doing right now is why they reported, you know, crappy earnings. So I bought some at like thirteen bucks or fourteen bucks and held, and I don't even know what it's trading at right now. Last time I checked, it was trading at like. 38 bucks or something like that but oh, you, you I, still have it. I was like that would just oh no i don't i don't have it no no way are you kidding me i couldn't hold something you know that <laughs> long uh uh yeah I, I i think i bought it at 13 and sold it at like 18 and it went on and doubled from there that's at but, 55 uh, it today just was is it really nice yeah it's yeah. pretty toppish so to me just, but you know that's how i look at everything where, like well, everything's topish at all times to me, so we're good. So, so Psycho, you were saying you don't do a whole lot of fundamental analysis, which caught me a little off guard because I figured there were tons of fundamentals that <laughs> went into your Pundi's position. <laughs> I heard he just got some good info last night. Oh yeah, I got so much info on the Pundies. <laughs> what are? Uh, I, uh, by the somebody way, my tell position, me what Pundies are. It, it's over ten bucks in value. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> the entire wow. position. So Pundies are not ten dollars. The entire po- position. <laughs> what are what are Pundies? <laughs> my entire I'm, position. I'm glad is, that Pundies is the first. I don't know. Stock that we ever talk about, or the first cryptocurrency that we ever talk about. Oh yeah, it's the first shitcoin that we're bringing up. Honestly. I was, and I was, it's funny. I was going to say that because I, when the metals, when sector rotation happens, you know, and when I used to be in equities and, you know, we trade oil and China and metals and, you know, I'd always buy like the cheapest crap I could find because I knew it was just going to be the last in that rotation um, each time that money transferred. So it's, it's kind of like with, with the shit coins, you know, I went on Binance and I literally, I think I told you guys, I was like, I'm just going to buy the top. 20 or the the cheapest 20 coins i can buy um and i think i had you know like a couple hundred bucks on there and i just <laughs> bought like ten thousand of the cheapest stuff i could get everywhere um and you know a lot of those things doubled when things went up it's just poonies man it's the, the poonies chart looks incredible i don't even know what they do it's yeah that it's almost pulled a double. Yeah, went yeah, Johnny know, was right? very upset. Johnny was very upset that he didn't go all in on Pundis. Imagine not buying. I Pundis was charting that Pundis. That bottom Pundis wedge I charted for like <laughs> four months, just waiting. Never pulled the trigger. Just sat there and watched it break out. Just watched it happen. Never pulled the trigger, and it's it's pretty much wow. almost doubled since then. Well, it looks like it's no consolidating again. Just don't get under, in the way of the poondies. Don't get in the way of the poondies. It's uh it's consolidating now under the two hundred day moving average, uh, in what looks like it could be a ascending triangle or s- certainly some sort of bullish ish uh, consolidation. I kind of I kind of dig it. <laughs> I think. I think Tulips FM needs a uh, needs a a group cryptocurrency to sponsor. So if we ever get a sponsor, maybe we'll agree to invest it 100 percent in Pundis. Pundis, <laughs> Pundis to 100. Uh, they can hook us up with uh, 
Yeah, they can hook us up with their super secure crypto cell phone and, and all sorts of coupons for food and flights. So, Johnny, you don't give a crap what okay. Pundis does. I know this, but can you explain why you look at markets the way you do? Because I think you bring something unique uh, to the way you trade crypto that most of us don't. Sure. I mean, all I really care about is is momentum. Uh, so, you know, not really worried about trying to catch bottoms or anything like that. The trend is your friend. Um, volume is king. Uh, I, I haven't traded a whole lot of altcoins over the last year, mostly been margin trading Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. But, uh, you know, when I used to, you start every day by sorting by volume. That's just all you need. Um, hop in, hop out, scalp what you can. Um, I know a lot of people in the crypto space love to try and find things that have bottomed. And then they say, I'm accumulating. And they accumulate for like six months or a year or something like that. And all of a sudden, one day it magically pumps. And that's not that's not really my style. I'm, I'm fine with missing the bottom 50%. Or when we're talking about cryptos, you might miss an entire 100% move before I start trying well, to jump to in. And that's fine and time with me. out for a second, because I just heard you say the word cryptos. Uh so how do we how do we say how does everyone say multiple cryptocurrencies? I just say crypto, no S. Shit coins. <laughs> that no. no that word <laughs> no. is terrible. Don't use the word cryptos? Everything's a shit coin. Yep. If you're gonna use shit if you're gonna use plurality, yeah. then what about shit coins, coins is fine. Or you can say crypto broadly, but like cryptos yeah, I dislike. I'm just gonna have to throw that out there. That's an L. Wow, I'm gonna. I guess <laughs> I'm gonna offend neck. you a lot then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I used that correctly. <laughs> I just needed to say it. Is that how I do it, Nike? I mean, Mikey, Mike. Yeah, that was good. Damn it. Yes, that was good. It's all right. Who else is trading crypto right now? Let's get our crypto. We just call him Mikey. Yeah, he's gonna be Mikey. Is anybody trading crypto? Anybody? Anybody? Canvas, you're no. short, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, you're trading. I'm I'm trading. No, what's, I'm not what's the thesis? Sort of. Oh, I thought you were short. Uh, did you get out when it broke the wedge? Yep, 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 yep. Um, All right. I don't know. I kind of subscribe to what Mike's been saying. It's like these moves, it's like you'll spend two weeks chopping yourself up, trying to get on the right side of things for that next, you know, 5 to 10% bang either way and you know you'll lose just as much chopping yourself up as you'll gain in that move and then if you get the move wrong well then you're doubly fucked so i just been i mean if you look at the chart it's terrible right it's really wretched yeah, it's, atrocious. it's been sideways action for months and well except for except for when it halved yeah well you know. that was in november <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. Than, you know, it's been longer than you, you think. It's just you forget how long it's been. But yeah, better things to do and uh, easier markets, in my opinion, to trade right now. So I'd rather just wait how does for it, a, a better trend. Yeah, since the, um, the volatility, if you're trying to trade Bitcoin directly, since the volatility is so low in Bitcoin, uh, how does that compare to like, 
trading with leverage, but trading in a trending Forex market? Like, can you get as much realized volatility using higher leverage in Absolutely. a Forex market? Absolutely. And yeah, not definitely. only can you get just as much in terms of, I don't know what you want to call it, exposure, volatility, whatever, but you're trading on exchanges that are actually legitimate, where you can trust that your stops are going to get, you know, executed, where, you know, you're not, I, I know some of you guys trade on Kraken, but uh, I've been on Max <laughs> or, and- or Kraken, as Mike says. <laughs> right. Which is- I don't say that. That's the, no way. Don't put but, that like, on me. There's no good exchange, right? They're all <laughs> shit. Like, next, I've had numerous times where stops have been excluded on next. Then you're, you know, I'm in the U.S. also, so you're always kind of in the back of your mind wondering if they're going to KYC you one day and you won't be able to get your funds out. So it's just like when you add those risks on top of everything else, like I can go to, you know, FX and and get all that security with funds and stops and everything and, and almost get the same amount of volatility. And if you want to throw options on equities there, you could do the same thing. So wait, so wait, you mean to tell well, me there's the people one. in the U S <laughs> trading on BitMEX? <laughs> How dare you to add the canvas, wow. to add the canvas points. Um, I mean, the price action on FX is also legitimate and there's, actual liquidity there too yeah it's not just some guy or group of people decided to market buy like ten thousand bitcoin today you know out of nowhere so i don't trade fx so you guys will have to enlighten me here but one of the things i've always loved about trading crypto is it's almost an entirely retail driven market you don't have to worry about uh, institutions running these automated trading algorithms that are just eating your lunch. Do you not see absolutely that in FX? Do you think it's as easy to trade I mean, as crypto? I mean, absolutely not as easy to trade, no. But when you look comparing it to current market conditions, I think it's easier. Like if, if we're trending in crypto, there's nothing easier to trade. But you can't tell me that the last three, even six months have been easy trading in, in, in the crypto space. It just hasn't been easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least that's that's personally, for me, spot. it has not this been. This would be so a I good spot for a raw bone. <laughs> can, can confirm, not not nearly the as easy. The best thing the I can put together on the Bitcoin months. chart is like a daily bear flag. Yeah, the weekly Bitcoin like chart, especially. I don't know is, what else to say. Or yeah, oof. weekly, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it just looks like it wants to die. Bear flag above the two hundred MA. That's all I got. Like other than that. I don't know what you want me to look at. Well, and, you, and it brings up an interesting point when people are tr- try to talk about whether or not this is the Bitcoin or crypto bottom is trending markets are easy to trade. It doesn't matter if they're going up or if they're coming down. It's trends that are easy to trade. So we saw this huge trend up in 2017. We saw this huge trend down in 2018. And all of a sudden, it's a lot more difficult to trade. People are getting a lot more chopped. It's really difficult to figure out what the direction is. And I think maybe that is a sign that we're starting to see some kind of a potential bottom. Yeah, I've been predicting that we're going to have a move. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Oh, you go ahead. No, I want to hear what you're going to say. It's going to make me sound stupid, which is probably a reasonable thing to do. You know that's not true, but. 
I, I was just going to say to Johnny's to, to Johnny's point. I think it was Johnny about trends being easy to trade. That was you, Johnny, right? Yeah. So the thing yep. about that that I always have a challenge with is that you know it's. It, it, I mean, honestly, in order to survive in trading for longer than a couple of years, you have to be able to identify trends, right? And so you can, you can, you know, slowly identify trends and, you know, figure out that feel of when you need to step on the gas and when to lay off or, or what. But see, here's here's the challenge that I get about trends being easy to trade is that, you know, you get you get into that trend and it becomes easy and you kind of get numb to some things. And when it, you know, when everything's working – figuring out where where that trend is over or trying to trade you know when the trend's going to begin again that always i mean that always kills me it's like you know it's like we were all you're trading in the bull in the bull market of 2017 and it's just everything was was easy you know you made a trade and all of a sudden bitcoin doubled overnight so your trade is like 2x 3x 4x what it was in the first place but you know on the way down and, and trying to survive during that, it, it's not, you know, I, just for me, I'm just pointing that out. Cause you know, I'm a realist and trading sucks. Sometimes trading the trend is easy, but then deciding when to stop trading the trend. That's the thing that always kicks me in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's what people always say about bubbles, right? You heard this, people say this a million times in the, second half of 2017 with crypto was it's easy to tell when you're in a bubble. It's really hard to tell when the bubble's going to end. And I think it's pretty obvious that overall people did a really bad job identifying. Yeah. And when as yeah, a podcast, people, my, my opinion on the whole thing is that uh, if, if you want to get real, life, <laughs> excuse me. No, go ahead. Oh, I, I wasn't sure if you could hear me, but, um, 99 plus percent of people shouldn't be trading period right and then you put them in something like mex or kraken where you know the odds are already stacked against them now they're even more stacked against them and if you think about anyone listening to this probably shouldn't be trading but if you look at the crypto markets now it's a great time to start buying if you're going to hold like i tell my wife all the time I'm like i you know my opinion is we see 100,000 bitcoin in the next five years. And if you take it and you look at it from that lens, why not start buying some of this stuff? And if it goes down, like buy a little bit every month. And when it starts, you know, going higher in the next two, three, four years, whatever, just start selling when everyone else is buying and you'll do great. But most people shouldn't be trading, period. It's really interesting. It's really interesting hearing you say that, Canvas, because you've been one of the biggest bears incorrectly over so. the last year yeah, and why wouldn't I be? Of course. Uh, that i that i know yeah correctly so but it's it's really interesting to hear you say that we're finally at a level where uh, maybe you, you start buying a little home, bit and you know yeah, leave yourself you some room to average down if you need to but maybe, maybe it's starting to become time and what you can set up because i was saying like i don't think it, and i think ethereum was what somewhere around 90 bucks at the time I think I said specifically, like, I don't think you can go wrong starting to buy at these levels if you want to just hold on for the long term. And that's kind of been my plan over the last couple of months. It's just, I've just been nibbling and planning on holding for, because if you think about $100,000 Bitcoin, which, you know, I think I'm like 99% sure that's going to happen at some point. 
Yeah, calling it. Do a multiple on that. And every thousand so, dollars. So let's do a quick, a quick round table. Thirty x. So in in the future, like that's crazy money for anybody. If you if you can put ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars to work at these prices, you're going to do extremely well. You're going to outperform almost anybody that's trying to actively trade, especially in these market conditions. So quick roundtable and Ledger, I'm sorry, I don't mean to steal your job as our host here, but who thinks who thinks we are near some kind of a macro bottom? And maybe we're not at it. We didn't I'm bottom, but we're close. close though. Do uh, I think we it could sounds like Camby and I both think that. Yeah, How about maybe? I was going to ask that same question. Yeah, absolutely. Eighteen hundred is a real possibility, to right? Because it's not right. It's here to stay. And if you if you can't recognize that, I mean, like most people can't. Like I could get on Facebook right now and tell all my friends to buy Bitcoin and hold it for five years, and they'll make you know thirty x their multiple. But nobody would do it. Okay, so 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 Camist and I are both saying, hey, we're probably somewhere close. Maybe there's another fifty percent drop, which sounds crazy to say. You should start buying before a fifty percent drop, but that's the way that's the way these things are um, in this kind of in in the crypto industry. So, um, how about Psycho and Nike and Brian? You first, Psycho Ledger. Excuse me, Mike, Psycho, <laughs> Mike, and Brian. Uh, I mean, yeah, I. Yeah, in terms of dollar value, you, sure. Go yeah, ahead, close. Mike. Yeah. In terms of dollar value, yeah, like relative to the top, certainly. Wow. I think we're close, but I don't Party know about time, time is percent down. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm, I, I, you go, okay, shit. I just keep interrupting everybody. Okay, guys, this is my podcast, all right? Yeah, I'm going to go. Okay, so I, 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 obviously I agree. I, I think right now we're at a point of, you guys know I've been bitching about adoptability for, you know, as long as we've all known each other. Every time I see someone spit out some like, hey, guess what? We did, you know, some sug what have you, 2x, 3000 with a lightning nodule, casa, casa, hortle, hortle, and like, my great mass adoption right around the corner. You know, it's, it's just like, it just takes a while, you know, for the technology, not only to catch up to the price as, as far as I'm concerned. And, but also, you know, you've got that education curve where seriously, everybody that bought Bitcoin in 2017 and 2018 is so pissed at crypto right now because they all got dumped on, you know, they, yeah. they all got in at the very, very last. And it's cool. You know, obviously we've all been there before. I'm just saying like it takes a while, not only for those because, you know, Johnny, you were talking about earlier being a, a retail driven market. It, it takes a lot of time for those quote unquote retail wallets to uh, recuperate, but also for, for them to give it another chance. And I always reference the weed bubble because, you know, that was back in 2013, 2014. And five years later, that's when we saw the second one, and, and you realize the adoption that caught up to it. You know, you've got more states legalizing, you've got more broad range acceptance, both on the federal and a state level, regulations in place, and there's so many parallels to the industries. I just think that 
you know, going through a, a, a down year of price action. Okay. Yeah, that sucks. But there's still a lot of things outside of the charts that need to happen um, in order for, you know, because if Bitcoin is is mass adopted and, and, and widely held as the, the king of the crypto, then yeah, I don't think $100,000 of Bitcoin is out of the question, but it's going to take a long time, um, you know, m- more than most people are willing to wait for that to happen, in, in my opinion. So I agree with what uh, Camby was saying, you know, if you want to, I mean, shit, go on Coinbase and set up that, you know, buy $25 every you know, month or a couple of weeks or what the hell have you and uh, just sit on it for a second. But I definitely don't think that, it, like you said, it, it's a trading market right now. It's more of a uh, still, I think, still speculation and, you know, try to find some gems and hold on to them for a little bit. Yeah. But shit, Jesus, what did I talk for like five minutes? It, right it's, it's too hard for good traders to make money right now. I can't imagine someone who's new or just average trader. They're just pissing money away. I look at two. Yeah, it's, two, it's chop best. I look at two lines as relevant in try in terms of trying to give a macro outlook for Bitcoin. One of them is the 200-day moving average, and then the other one's the 200-week moving average. And if we're making a bottom, I think we need to maintain the 200-week moving average, which we've tapped roughly twice, which is these two. Uh, quasi bottoms that we've had since December. That's the first time we've ever really given the 200 week moving average a go, which was also roughly the bottom of the prior bear market. And I think if we go under that, then we're probably adding years to the the length of the bear market and the time to recover, because then you'll have to tackle, uh, tackle that as resistance. Um, and I think that it just would mean that we could range 1,000 to 3,000, I have no idea what, but like for a long time on the bottom side of a 200-week moving average. And I think that's possible. But as long as we maintain the 200-week moving average and don't lose it definitively, in my opinion, we're already in the accumulation zone. And therefore, my target is the 200-day moving average because historically you touch it. Like every 200 days, like it, that's what that is. So we touched it on the way up. We'd tap it, uh, you know, from the top, and I expect to do that now on the underside of it. So my target uh, is that we're going to frame the accumulation zone with whatever the 200-day moving average is. And my bias is that we actually do that in the first quarter of this year. So that's why I said my target was around 5K, because I expect to move up to pressure shorts. Now, I was wrong in 2018 because i expected us to go make it hard on people just constantly shorting the bear market and we never got to move up to where i thought was like a high liquidity zone above 11k so maybe we just continue to make it easy for people to be out of the market but i just feel like the market's mature enough to where it's gonna make it hard like it's gonna push up to where people fomo in or something like that and you get a sustained move to the 200 day moving average so that's why i think uh, we're setting an accumulation zone between the 200 day and the 200 week. Um, and I think there's a good chance that that ends up being the bottom, but if we lose it, then I think we're probably going to add at least a year or two to the length of the bear market. And I still think we've probably got another year of accumulation either way. So I'm not exactly optimistic in the short term, but I think that 
we're at a great place to be a bottom. I just don't know that it's guaranteed to be one. Yeah, that that 200-day moving Can't. average is also like, you know, it's dropping like 20 bucks a day, right? So yeah. the other alternative, the option is that it just keeps catching up to price and we get squeezed slower. But like for me, if you're looking at a weekly chart, I'm specifically looking at the Bitstamp chart. Um, if you want to get excited about, you know, really talking about the bottom being in, I think we have to get over 6,000. I think my, my line in the sand rate on Bitstamp is actually, it's like 58.50, right? You had so many bounces off that level. And until we get back above that, you know, nobody knows where the bottom is. But I think above that 6K mark, you can start talking about, hey, the bottom's probably in. But right now, it's anyone, like you just said, it's anyone's guess. It's 200 week could hold. We could pop back up to the 200 day. We could drop back through. Like nobody fucking knows. But again, I think you can't go wrong accumulating. If your plan is to accumulate and hold for five years and you're not trying to trade in and out, I don't think you can go wrong at these levels. And as long as you keep, you know, buying every month, every week, whatever you want to do. So. And so it's, it sounds like all of us are reasonably a little bit bottomy feeling ish sometime in the next you know few months to a year something like that but i think it's important that we call out that you know current price action pattern right now is we're pretty much in a giant bearish uh pennant at the moment and everyone kind of ignored this giant descending triangle last year from like july to november and and not i don't mean to say everyone ignored it but a lot of people were just disregarding it that we were we were bottoming and really when you look at it plain as day it's a mm-hmm. giant descending triangle bearish continuation pattern just play it and we <clears throat> excuse me we nailed it almost exactly when you measure the move of that descending triangle uh, almost perfectly and now we're inside of a giant bearish pennant so can a can a pennant break up absolutely it can but it can it is more likely to break down, which would send us I'd to somewhere to into the 2000s. Honestly, I hope it breaks down. I, I, I hope we break down and go sideways for like two more years because I just keep accumulating. At those levels, wow. you're stupid not to. Rude. Yeah, well. <laughs> what do you think, Brad? Do you I mean, guys think they're going <laughs> to accept Bitcoin on Mars? Oh. <laughs> uh. Hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Ask My Elon. opinion is that we go lower and I'm be very cool with that. Interesting. Well, why don't we end it there? So is, is, is Mike the, sorry, last question. So is Mike the only one saying that it's we definitively my, will definitive go lower and not we might go lower? Is that what I heard? Your definitive opinion. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> Yes, my definitive opinion is that this bearish pennant well, no, is just right think- above the 200-day and that, I don't know, it just feels like we're about to die. Sorry, 200-week, yes. The 200 yeah, week, I right? think that's the, the easiest move is lower, and um, I've always tried to make it more complicated than it really is, so it'll probably break lower, <laughs> even though I personally <sighs> expect, based on my target with the 200-day in Q1, it would require it uh, maybe fake out lower, but in reality to break higher. Uh, I don't like the sentiment that I see in the market of being relatively bullish and complacent to support that though. So 
Yeah. I don't know. We'll talk that about that in more other days. Let's end it here. It's been about an hour. It's good talking to y'all. We'll uh, figure out how to do things better and whatnot from a sound point of view and everything else. But this was fun. And go to tulips.fm to subscribe and all that kind of crap on iTunes. And it was good talking to y'all, and we'll catch you next time. No more second chances. No more excuses in the way. Let go of expectations.